Welcome to Holding Down the Fort, a podcast show dedicated to curating knowledge, resources, and relevant stories for today's military spouses so they can continue to make confident and informed decisions for themselves and their families. Because let's face it, we know who's really holding down the fort. I'm Jen Amos, a Gold Star daughter, veteran spouse, and your host for Holding Down the Fort by U.S. Vet Wealth. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Holding Down the Four. I am your co-host, Jen Amos. I'm excited because every time I get to do another episode, it means that I get to introduce another incredible person in our community. So I want to introduce you all to Kendina Janicki. Kendina Janicki, also known as Dina for short, is a career services provider and facilitator with a specialty in military community, aiding transitioning service members, veterans, and military spouses in both her career and volunteer positions. Dina has been a military spouse for 20 years and is a mother of three. She has also authored the article, Opportunity Found, Chaos Theory for Military Spouse Employment, which talks about the advantages of chaos theory of careers for aiding military spouses. Dina, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm happy to have you. Let me start by just asking, how's it going? <laughs> How are you doing in this pandemic life that we are currently living right now? It is going. I think I'm like everybody else. I'm just taking things kind of day by day. We were talking earlier, my kids have gone back to college and that's a scary proposition right now. So a little worried about them, but also, you know, realizing that we've got to take steps. So just day by day. That, that's yeah. where I'm at right now, just day by day. Yeah, definitely. We were talking offline a little bit about the process that it took just for your kids to go back to school. For people who maybe don't have kids, why don't you share a little bit about what it took for them to go to school again? <laughs> well, for both of them, so they're both at university, two separate universities, and each one has their own outlines, but they had to be tested mm -hmm. before they went back to school. Mandatory masks, there's some social distancing rules that they're going to have and the classes are going to be a kind of a mixture of hybrid online in class a little bit it's kind of you can tell the schools are kind of taking it a day by day to see how they're doing but I'm, both schools that they're attending have, have really done wonderful in keeping us up to date and aware of what could be happening so yeah, that's great to hear. And it's so bizarre. And I feel like, you know, COVID-19, like the debate on it is so polarizing. Some people absolutely believe in it. Some people just don't. They just think it's all a hoax. Either way, it is important that when you are in a public setting to take those precautions, because even if you don't believe it, you at least create peace of mind, I think, for everyone else, in my opinion. And I know my husband and I had fought uh, wearing masks <laughs> for some time until eventually, I remember one day I went to a grocery store and before I could go in, right at the door, it said, please wear a mask. Like, like you have to wear a mask or you can't come in. And that was like early on in the pandemic. I think it was maybe in April or something when that happened. And it was like the first time I wore a mask in a grocery store. And when I walked in, like everyone was wearing a mask. And I think that's when it hit me that, oh my gosh, this is, this is real. And I have to take this seriously. <laughs> right. right. I'd rather, to me, the risks of not wearing it and being wrong 
are worse than the risks of wearing it and being wrong, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. I So on Facebook, you can change your default picture to, you know, it said, I think like earlier on, the, there was a filter that said like, stay home, save lives or whatever. And I had felt the same way. It's like, I would rather be wrong. I would rather you be right and I be wrong and we make it out of here alive. Like that is totally fine. I will completely just praise you for knowing that this was all fake and whatever. But until then, it just seems like this is our new normal and it's going to be a new normal for quite some time. So it's interesting. And I had spoken to a couple of people in our community who actually kind of feel like this is normal for a military family to adapt in this way. And I'm curious if you had felt that way as well at the start of this pandemic to be like, well, I've sort of been through a version of this before and I'm going to be okay. I hadn't really thought about it that way. I think for us, you know, we, we live on a military installation, so we're used to having someone else kind of dictate a little bit into our personal lives where I don't think happens as much outside of this community, but I'm, I'm used to someone saying that, you know, they can come into my house and look at it if need be or that kind of stuff. So it wasn't difficult just to follow. It was actually in a way it's kind of nice because you have that comfort of someone else saying, this is the way it's going to be and this is how we're going to handle it. And it kind of gives you a feeling of safety, or at least it has for me. I worry a little less on the installation than I would off, if that makes sense. Yeah, I believe you. Because I think out here, it's a free-for-all. <laughs> like you, Everyone sort of has different opinions and a different take on this, where I could imagine, you know, being on base, it's like, they just tell you what to do. And you're already so used to it. It's like, yeah, okay. You know, and knowing that they probably put a lot of thought into that, so that in a way, you sort of have that peace of mind, like, okay, like they wouldn't just do this just to do this, you know, they're right. doing this for our safety. And, and if anything, I have someone to blame if, it, <laughs> if like things go bad. But I, you know, as you said, I could imagine just the peace of mind, like knowing that someone else, something bigger than you is looking out for you and right. telling you exactly what to do. And also knowing that the community is doing the same thing. Well, Dina, why don't you share also a little bit about, you know, going through this new normal. What has been keeping you busy or excited nowadays? So I was blessed that I already worked remotely from home. So I've been continuing with work and I have been continuing with just developing ideas, really just in my work life in general we're working on a little bit of like curriculum and, and so getting to play again in some of the areas that I've studied before, like looking back into chaos theory and, and happenstance and how we apply these to our military community, which includes, you know, veterans and spouses and, and, and children to a, a mm -hmm. certain degree as they're looking for their job search. And right now with the pandemic, there's the added how do we do all of these things and how do we help people find employment when they're already have some established challenges and now we've got the challenge of what's happening on a global basis. Mm -hmm. So for, you know, a military spouse, for instance, that's looking at a permanent change of duty station, a PCS, and maybe they've been looking into a job or looking into what they're going to do when they get there. They've probably been 
unable to leave right away and get there. They've been delayed because of what's happening in COVID and that's going to cause some issues. And then what's available out there right now to even work. And the exciting part of that is I think the discussion on remote employment has definitely increased across the board. Mm -hmm. And our population in specific for my population that I'm a part of as military spouse, this is exciting to see. Mm -hmm. because the opportunities for spouses just exponentially gets bigger when we start including remote options and more remote options and different types of remote work where there's the opportunity to possibly build some stability. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's was always my biggest challenge is we would get somewhere and I would search and it would take me six months to seven months to find a good position that I could be happy at or that I could grow at. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. Sometimes I loved my job. Sometimes I hated it, Mm -hmm. but I would try to see what I could get out of it, what I could learn. And then it would seem like I would get into a groove and things would be going good, and I'd be starting to feel like I know what I'm doing, and I'm there, and then it would be orders. Mm. <laughs> Here we go again. You're like, great. <laughs> and, and now I've got to try this again. So it's going to your employer and saying, hey, do you have opportunities where I'm going? And most of the time it was no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't. Do you have remote opportunities? No, we don't. Okay, well, I'm willing to give you a recommendation. And then I start the process over again. And that has been my last 20 plus Mm -hmm. years of my career is just going through that aspect. And it's what led me to what I do now, because I learned the hard way. I like to tell people, you know, it's been an adventure and I've stumbled over every tree and I've fallen (laughs) into every hole and I, you know, reroute myself to get back on and look at alternatives that, you know, maybe take me off the trail for a while, but get me back in because it hasn't been linear. And there's not really been a way for it to be linear just because of what my spouse does for a living. Yeah. And we could have have made the option that I stayed somewhere and continued. And then that was an option. And at times with certain positions that I've had, it was an option we actually really fully discussed. But for Mm -hmm. our family, it just didn't work that way. So this has been a little bit of a challenge, but it's what led me here. And it's where I found what I was good at and what my passion was. And if I can help another spouse avoid some of those little holes, then it's worth it to me. And that's what led to the article. That's what led me to do my certifications and try to grow in this field is to say, hey, what do you do when you can't just transfer your job? You just Mm. can't transfer what you're doing. And this is what you went to school for. This is what you love. This is, you know, maybe even what you grew up saying you were going to do. And then you fall in love and you marry this person and they, their position doesn't allow you to do that. Where does that leave you? So that's kind of just how I ended up here. And that's what's nice about like chaos theory. And what attracted me to that was that it focuses on that upheaval, that Mm -hmm. chaos, that chance, the unpredictability, and how do I set myself up in the best possible way to use that almost to my advantage Mm -hmm. and to navigate it, if nothing else? How do I navigate this chaotic life of a career 
military spouse. Yeah. And before we jump into the article, I really feel like this time is a military spouse's time to shine, honestly. You know, like just like what you mentioned with your story, it was just always hard to find a job and when you have one to sustain it because you have to move. And now remote work has become a staple for so many companies. And, you know, I have a friend who her primary mission with her business is to help spouses get employment remotely. And I asked her, I was like, so how's it been like since, you know, the pandemic? She's like, I am so busy. She was like, I need to turn off my computer on the weekends and like not look at my phone on the weekends. That's how busy I am because I just can't, I'm just like nonstop now. And it's just really cool to see. I mean, despite all the tragedy and all the inconvenience of this all, it seems like military families and spouses are actually thriving in this. And I think that they should be the leaders and say like, hey, change is normal. (laughs) Change is normal. Let me show you how to navigate this you know, in a very cool, suave. (laughs) No, not really. I know it's not like always that way, but it's more so just that familiarity and having that resiliency and, you know, having normalized chaos already, you know, in your life. And I think now is the time really to highlight military spouses and what they've gone through and, and how they continue to navigate these unpredictable waters, I think. Oh, yeah. In the spouse community, just the remote work, the entrepreneurs. I'm always impressed by how many entrepreneurs I know that are military spouses that have looked at this career field and this career world and the realistic expectations of what their life is and what their constraints are and have said, I'm going to make this work and I'm going to find a way to make this work. And that's that's your friends starting the business to help other people find remote work. It's the home-based businesses. It's the Etsy businesses, it's the, you know, giving each other a hand up. I mean, the military spouse community as a whole, I'm always impressed with the, I guess, just creativity Mm -hmm. that can come out of it. And spouses are resilient and they are natural. I won't say natural, but they're networkers. Mm -hmm. You have to be because it's not just about your career. I get to a new location and I've got to figure out the best schools and I've got to figure out where to get a dentist and where to get a doctor and who I'm going to use for my car and little things that you don't really think about all the time. But when you have to, about every two to three years, get a whole new set of all of these things, you get really good at finding information. Mm -hmm. You get really good at figuring out reviews and how to figure out what's because you don't have time to play around and I don't have years to figure out who the best dentist is going to be for my kids. I need to know now. So I'm going to reach out, talk. I'm going to network. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to join organizations that maybe I wouldn't have done before because that's where I might make my next friend. And we, you know, we have to remember that aspect of it too, the social aspect, you know, you get you get your family, you get your tribe, and then, you know, you got that tribe at, I don't know, Fort Hood, and then Mm. it's time to leave, and thank you, social media, which has totally changed our lives. I use a lot less stamps than I used to. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you get over here to Fort Benning, and it's like, okay, I've got, how do I get my new tribe, and how do I establish that new connections, and we're, we're doing all that stuff on our personal side, but all of that, every last bit of that translates 
into the career side, whether it's in job search mode or if it's in career development mode. It's all about networking and talking to people and being open to opportunities and being open to the chance. And there's the, the saying, I think it's like a Roman philosopher that says, you know, luck is just opportunity plus preparation. That's how you get luck. Mm-hmm. And when we're talking about chaos theory or we're talking about happenstance theory, which is another theory of career development, what they're playing on is how do I set myself up to take advantage of those opportunities that are come here and to be prepared for them mm-hmm. so that I can be the one that lucked out into that job. You know, she or he was so lucky that they found that position. And it was like, well, no, there's a, little, a certain amount of luck, but there's also a lot of prep that goes into be there because you have to be prepared to take on the opportunity. You've got to be willing to take the risk. You have to talk to people like everybody. Everybody needs to know that you're job searching or that you're looking for a dentist or (laughs) what you're doing so that you can get those recommendations and you can get that person that goes, oh, you were in education, right? Well, I'm pretty sure I heard at this meeting that the ad center is hiring a new counselor. Did you know that? Did you look? I can reach you out. That kind of stuff happens all the time. And, you know, I'm talking about it specifically in career Mm-hmm. just because of what I do. But anybody I think that's been around our community knows that this happens all the time in everything. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. You know, I have a child that hates the dentist and is scared to death. Oh yeah. Well, you know, my neighbor's kid is the same way and they see, you know, Dr. Houston, you should go check out Dr. Houston because you know he's really good with kids or that kind of stuff. So all of those things that we've put into place to be resilient through this life, just in life in general, those same qualities and techniques can be applied to the job. Mm -hmm. And that's where the key comes in. And that's what chaos theory is about and happenstance is about. It's about lining yourself up to be able to take advantage of those opportunities. So constantly exploring your environment. So even if you're happy and you're in a position and you found that position and things are going great, you have to still be open to what's out there. You kind of got to be scanning the environment. You have to make sure your friends and your family and your connections know what's your brand? Who are you? What do you Mm -hmm. bring to the table? What do you like doing? You know, and you have to be kind of creative. So you have to know your skills and you have to know your competencies. And that goes back to knowing your brand. What is it that I like to do? So for spouses, I think, especially when we're talking about switching careers or let's just be honest, not every military location is located next to a big, huge city with a lot of opportunities Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. some have very minimal opportunities and they're not great locations. Or you may even be overseas where you legally are very limited on what you work. So we have to be creative and we have to be able to find opportunities that don't necessarily match up with the job title that we gave or Mm. the exact major we went to school for. So if you're a a human resource major and you've, you've worked in HR and then you get stationed, I don't know, in Italy and there's no HR jobs and there's no this, what are you going to do? Are you going to not work or are you going to try to find something else? If you have an understanding of what about HR did I enjoy? 
What was the things about it that I was actually good at? Not the job title itself, not the industry itself, but what was it that I really liked about it? Well, you know, I liked doing orientations. I liked instructing people. I liked helping them learn their job. I enjoyed that communication. Okay, well, that's training. Mm. What else can I do? What else can I train? What else can I look at? So now I've just opened up my opportunities. I'm not limited to just an HR job. Now I'm like, okay, well, maybe I could be a trainer. And what's involved in that? And what do I need to look at? Or maybe it's not, you know, I'm looking around and it's not open. There's no training opportunities open, but there's an an administrative professional in that area. And maybe that's a little bit of a step back, but you know, our family can make it work. Mm -hmm. And I know that's a step in the door. Right, right. Do, Do I take that step? For me, I think back to when I was a kid and I thought, oh, I'm going to get this career and I'm just going to get promotion and it's going to happen and that's the way it works and I'm just going to move up. And at a certain point in my life, I got really kind of down and really kind of depressed because I thought, here I am at a certain age and I won't say what age. (laughs) (laughs) I'm about to go off into their careers and I don't have a career. Mm. And that's how I thought. I sat back and I thought, I don't really have a career. Where am I going? What am I doing? And that was kind of, that was just depressing. That was, it just kind of got you down. And I was talking to my tribe and I was talking to friends. It's like, no, you have had a career. It's not straight. It doesn't just climb a mountain. I've had some steps back and some steps forward. But what I do know about myself is that everything I've done has strengthened my skills and it strengthened my competencies and it's led me to where I want to go. So that is career development. That is a career path. It's mm-hmm. just not outlined by job titles and it's not outlined by a company. Yeah. I really like how, I mean, just from listening to you, it really sounds like what you're talking about is encouraging military spouses to redefine what career looks like for them. Just like what you said, it may not, if ever, be a linear path. It could be, you know, what did I enjoy the most about this job? And what's a similar type of job that can provide or that offers that same thing that I enjoyed doing? And so, yeah, I think it's a very unique way to look at it. And it's very validating and encouraging because, you know, you have the spouse who is constantly having to reinvent themselves while the service member is up and up, you know, is like they are the ones with the linear career. And it's almost, I can almost see maybe the resentment between two. It's like, oh, you're the one building your career. And here I am constantly having to start over. I mean, obviously there's more to that conversation, but I like how the way that you reframe it and say like, you know, don't see this as a loss, see this as more skill sets, you know, to add to your resume. And to further define what that career is eventually going to be, because sooner or later they're going to retire. Mm -hmm. or get out, depending on what the pathway is for your family. For ours, you know, my husband is going to be retiring. And, you know, the joke in the household was always, when he retires, it's his turn to follow me wherever (laughs) I go. And then I ended up with a remote job that I absolutely love. (laughs) And now it's, well, what do you want to do? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Figure out where to go. But each position that I've had, I learned something from. I either learned something I really loved or I learned something I really don't love, you know, that I'm like, no, that's not something I really want to do. Mm-hmm. And I have 
strengthen certain skills and I have been consistently developing. So I can't tell you what my job's going to be 10 years from now or five years from now, but I can tell you that I will be doing the things that I love to do. And I'm just looking at this as a journey of I'm getting there. It's just taking a little time and it's a little bit of struggle and it's a lot of risk. Yeah. So the other side of it is just, and this is probably the biggest struggle that I have and I still have to this day is taking the risk, putting myself out there, taking the action. And that could be, you know, I, I was teaching and I'm really enjoying this and I love this. So now I'm going to look into furthering my education in that area, or I'm going to volunteer to go do things, or I'm going to go join, you know, I can't remember the name of them, but the, my dad used to call them supper clubs where they teach you to speak publicly. (laughs) (laughs) There's an actual name for them. And my memory is horrible sometimes, but taking advantages of those opportunities and always learning, never stop learning, never stop growing. And if I can frame it in that way, then every step that we've taken has been a step in my career development. Mm-hmm. I am advancing in my career. I'm just advancing in it in a different way than maybe society has framed it all this time. If nothing else, at the end of the day, I can sit down and I can make myself a list and say, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm not good at. This is where I can help. And this is where my personal mission lies. Mm-hmm. For me, all these years, one thing I have definitely learned is no matter what I'm doing, I need to be in a position where I'm working with people and helping people. Mm. I have to make those connections because that's the value that work brings to me. Someone else may find that I don't want to work around people, that I am better doing it myself. So maybe I want to work you know, in a data center or something like that where I don't have to interact with anybody but the data. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. generalization there's a far more to data centers but you just get to know yourself in a way that I think not everybody gets I've learned more from those step backs mm-hmm. and I've learned more from those steps into different areas than I have the ones that I intentionally took because I thought it was leading me that way yeah absolutely it sounds more about following the breadcrumbs than right you know, maybe that milestone and maybe that destination, because I mean, although we could wish we can get to that clear destination that we've (laughs) put on our vision board (laughs) and everything. And I think this is a good lesson for life too, because, you know, it's very commonly known, at least amongst my peers that when, you know, a lot of my friends ended up not even using the degree that they graduated with. (laughs) And I remember for me in college, I had changed my major three times And by the time I chose my third major, I wasn't really interested in the profession that it would have led me to. I was more interested in the skill sets. I was more interested in, you know, becoming a better communicator, becoming a better people person, you know, and that's what I felt like that my, my degree had given me. And I'm so glad that I saw it in that way, because if I look at my life, I didn't take the traditional route I should have, you know, with my bachelor's. And for a long time, I kind of thought like, oh, in a way I'm a failure because I didn't do that linear path. But eventually I was like, I was like, you know, college is college. Like no one has it figured out like anyone anyway. And I just think, I just, I don't know what it is about the school system. And maybe this is good for your kids to know, (laughs) but I mean, I'm sure you've talked to your kids about this already, but it's like, 
I think the time in school is just like a time you would have at a job. It was just a certain time in your life where you're, you know, really into a certain topic or study. And that was sort of your job. That was your focus. And after that, it's okay to transition into something new. And I just love your talk and your language around shifting because I think even for myself, I still battle in my head like, well, you know, I wasn't able to stack up all the blocks. I had to stack up different piles of blocks and justify, you know, why I'm qualified (laughs) to do anything. So I just love that it's the way that you're talking. There's a different way to look at your career than to look at it in the traditional way that, you know, our school system has taught us and how society has taught us. There is a different way. And I think that more people need to hear this and understand like, you're okay, you're doing just fine. You just have to kind of reframe or look at your skill set a little differently and realize what you're doing in your personal life does translate to your professional life. And it's just having the right people to work with you know, such as yourself, Dina, to really bring out or to make that translation, you know, from your personal life of resiliency and adaptability to your professional life. Yeah, I could say also talk to each other. That's something I don't think I did enough, especially when I was younger. Mm -hmm. I didn't talk to anybody like other military spouses. I didn't talk to other people outside of maybe like my family about what my journey was and what I was looking to do and what I had done. And one thing I have found is I've been a little more open and I've started talking to more people. I mean, little things like for years and years and years, my social media, LinkedIn, anything to do with the potential of finding a job Mm -hmm. had nothing on it that ever identified me in any way as a military spouse. That was like, Mm no, 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 because I was scared. Right, right. That it would be used against me, that would hold me back from jobs. It did hold me back from jobs. I have, and I've heard of other spouses that have had these instances where there's someone has said, I like you and I I think you're a good fit, but I need someone who's going to stay. And I I couldn't promise that I would be there five years from now. And it wasn't until years later, I realized that nobody can promise they're going to be five years from now. Nobody can promise they're going to be there a year from now because life happens. Chaos happens pandemics happen. (laughs) We have no guarantees. All we can do is bring the best of what we bring forward. Mm -hmm. One challenge to that, and that's, that's where I'm going back to talking to people, beyond just them becoming advocates for you and knowing what you're looking for, is getting an understanding of what you truly do bring to the table. Mm -hmm. So, through talking to others, through talking about the jobs that I've had and the things that I've done and sharing those stories, we're able to help each other identify those transferable skills, those competencies, Mm -hmm. what you're known for. Send out a little survey to friends, family, coworkers, old supervisors, people that worked for you that you know would be willing to and ask them, hey, what about me? is like a rock star. Like, what did I do really good? What could I work on a little bit more? If if you had to summarize my professional brand Mm -hmm. in two words, what what would you say? I did this. I did this as part of a program that I was doing. And I sent it out to like my dad, who, by the way, was brutally honest. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, dad. (laughs) I sent it out to previous supervisors and I got a really good group back 
And when I was done, I was reading through these emails and I, I can't remember exactly offhand what questions I asked, but they were similar to what I was just using as examples. I think I asked what you would say was my biggest strength, what was my biggest weakness, brand, that kind of stuff. And what do you think my motivation was? would be mm -hmm. another a good one to ask. And I was shocked by how similar all the answers were. And then I looked at it and I thought, is this what I want everybody to think? Is this what I want for my brand? So there's that aspect of it as well. Yeah. But it really helped solidify for me what I do bring to the table. So mm -hmm. now if I'm talking to someone or we're having these conversations, I can speak to that and I can say, maybe I'm not that perfect round ball for that round area that you have, but I'm malleable enough that I fit there and I yeah. can expand it and I can grow in this area. And I might not know how to do that specific thing right now, but let me tell you what, I can learn and I yeah. can learn on the fly and I can be resilient and I can fail forward and I can grow. Give me that opportunity. And we talk about the, in career services, the hidden market, and most jobs are not readily available there. And that's how you access that hidden market is through conversations, but you have to be able to converse yeah. about what you are and who you are and what you bring to the table and how you can make those translations for that recruiter, for that interviewer. So they're not trying to figure out how does your not so perfect background with a few little gaps here and there and weird job titles fit into this position. Mm -hmm. Instead, you know yourself well enough, you know your background well enough, you've talked to people and had them help pick out things for you. So I think overall, most military in general, and I think that extends to a lot of their families are kind of humble. I, you don't see a lot of braggarts or anything, or at least I haven't in my experience. So they're not always great about talking about themselves. Everything's the team. Everything's mm, the family. Right, right. Very collectivist. Uh, yes. Mind. So yeah. these conversations with other people, other people will point out, wow, that's super cool that you did that. Did you think about this? And there's even an exercise that I'll do with clients sometimes where you put like three of them in a group and you tell them, just talk about what you did in your jobs. And then mm -hmm. like two of them will take notes and we'll pick out skills and cool things. And then when they read it back, the other person's like, oh, I never even thought about that. I did yeah. do that. Super cool. So if you take that aspect and you have those conversations, you take that research, and then you really research what that company is looking for and what that job is, you can make those connections for the interviewer, for mm -hmm. the recruiter, for the person that you're talking to. So they don't have to do any extra work. You're already doing it for them. Yeah. That's powerful that's going to help you advance your career. That's how you're going to find, okay, I was training in education and now I got here and there's no higher education around here. There's no schools, but oh, lo and behold, they have an insurance company and there's a mm. position as a corporate trainer. Well, how can I translate the training that I did? What made that up that translates into this position? And you'll be amazed at what really does translate. But if you make it for them, yeah. You easy for them, you're more likely to get a response. Yeah. To me, it sounds the two key things that you said that stood out to me is being in community with people in the same situation as you. And from that, learning how to be a really good communicator, communicating, you know, letting people know, putting it out there, what you're looking for, and then being able to communicate that to recruiters. 
So those are the two key things that really stood out. And, you know, even for myself, you know, we're a veteran family. It's like, even I think to myself, like, how do I apply that, (laughs) you know, in my life? How do I, you know, what do I do? And, And I think that's what I love about why I love podcasting, because I feel like I get that immediate feedback from people like, oh, that's what they like about me. Oh, that's what I tend to enjoy doing. So I could talk about that because even for myself, I was thinking about like how I had to update my bio uh, recently. And I was like, I was like, what? Like, how do I summarize all these things that I've done so far? So I just, I really feel very reassured (laughs) and encouraged through the things that you're saying. And I hope that for our listeners, they feel the same way as well. Obviously, I love how this, and I said this, you know, before we started, we didn't really like dive into the article, which is completely okay with me. Because as I said, I wanted the heart of this conversation to really humanize the military community and what they're going through and really just believing in yourself and knowing that you just need the right tools to fill out your resume correctly and know what, you know, what your skill sets are and everything. And so I just appreciate you sharing all of that. I do have one more question for you. And I heard this, I think, in a previous interview you had done. And let me know if you remember this or not. But you said in this interview that when your personal life aligns with your professional life, you have found your calling. And I thought that really stood out to me. I actually sat with that for a while. And I just wanted to ask you, like, do you feel like you found your calling in what you're doing today? Yes. Yes. It is not an exact match. And that's part of what I've learned after all these years is there's no exact matches and it's not what I thought it was going to be when I was younger, but what I do professionally and where I'm at personally, they are in a match and I feel good Good. with what I do. I don't think anybody always likes their job or likes this, likes every aspect, but at the end of the day, I'm doing what I think I was called to do. And if the world changed tomorrow and this exact career specialist position type thing didn't do, I think I would still be able to do my calling because when it gets down to it, it's just going to be helping people in a different way than what is it just exact now. I know the direction I want to head. and, And the big thing for me is I know what's not good for me and what is good for me. And that has been... 20 plus years of lessons. That's from, you know, starting out, I think my first job, my first official paid job was McDonald's. And my aunt got me that job, by the way. <laughs> I was 15 and my aunt got me that job. And then, you know, worked for a Bell Bonds company for when I was 18, making phone calls to try to help find bail jumpers and having an interesting world there. And, you know, higher ed to where I am at now I know what the common themes are. And for me, it's, I need to be useful. Mm -hmm. I need to feel like I'm making a difference. I need to feel like I'm giving back to a community. And for me, that's why I say right now, personally, professionally, it all lines up what I'm doing on my personal side, what I'm doing on my professional side is giving back to a community that has been challenging for our family, but has given our family so much. And I would not be the person that I am today if I had not married a gentleman who was willing (laughs) to give back to his country and give back to what he's doing, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's weird when I think about it that way, but it truly, it comes down to that. I mean, that one decision affected my life, my children's lives, everybody's life. And I just, you know, I'm thankful for what he does and I support him in what he does. 
but it has definitely affected who I became. Yeah, absolutely. How much it would when we got married and said, I do. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, you didn't know what you were saying. I do too entirely. Like you didn't know the whole picture of what you said. Yeah. Or what you agreed to when you said, I do. Yeah. I was a, you know, I was a military brat. So it's not like I wasn't around the community. As as my mother and I talked one time, there's definitely a difference between being the child (laughs) being the spouse of a service member. I actually, I want to go ahead and really wrap up on that note, actually, because I know that right now you have two kids that are in college. What have you taught them or maybe modeled to them, you know, that in terms of, you know, career, have they picked up the same lessons from you that like, oh, I should focus on, you know, what feels like my calling, what you do in your career? Do you teach that to your kids as well? I do. I don't know how much they listen because just like <laughs> the other when it's coming from mom, it doesn't, right. it doesn't as much, but I've tried to show through action. I've had discussions with them, but like my oldest, I have three, my oldest graduated from the University of Mississippi two years ago now. Wow. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. I'm not quite sure. But I remember when she was starting to go to school and there was the discussion about what she wanted to do. And she's a performer and she's an amazing performer. That's not just mom bragging. She really is. (laughs) I believe you. (laughs) But there was a part of me, even after all this, that was like, oh, I don't know about this. Yeah. But we, you know, you have to follow your passion and you have to follow your route. And I remember she called me not too long after she had started school. I think she was in her second year. And she's like, you know, I think I want to add education on. She was a musical theater major. Mm-hmm. She's like, I think I want to add education on just so that I have a few more experiences. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And she kind of went for that way. And then, you know, fast forward, she graduates. She, she does student teaching. She hates it. <laughs> Like, no, no, I I want to perform. I want to do this. And she ends up working at Disney and costuming and doing that kind of stuff. And and the pandemic definitely affected her. Yeah. Um, But I have seen, and and that's where I'm going with this, is she did pick up the lessons at some point because she's now in a position that a lot of people are where – her normal role, her normal career, what she was doing is not available to her. Plays aren't happening right now. Concerts aren't happening right now. She had actually gotten her very first paid gig. Uh, She was going to be little Sally in a play and tickets to go out there, everything and pandemic hits. Yeah. Never got to perform her very first paid gig. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I felt bad for her, but she's, doing exactly what she has watched me do for years and what Mm. she learned and picked up on is what do I do and what did I learn in school and what do I have in my toolbox right now that I can do something while this is on hold, while I'm starting to work and can I do something that will maybe still help me advance Mm -hmm. that area? And those are the key things of, you know, just thinking outside of the box. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Well, Dina, thank you so much for our conversation today. I feel like you're so encouraging. I can feel your motherly (laughs) vibes (laughs) in our conversation. And I can only imagine that the spouses that are listening to this episode will really appreciate your kind words of you know, wisdom and encouragement and everything. So uh, I know we hinted a little bit at the chaos theory of careers. For people that are interested in possibly maybe reading more into that or getting a hold of you, how can they find you? 
best way to find me is reach out to me on LinkedIn. It's just my full name at linkedin.com. So it's the Kandina Janicki at LinkedIn. I am always willing to have a conversation. Just reach out. Again, I'm still in the learning process. I'm like everybody else. I'm growing and, you know, taking each day at a time. And I'm sure even today I'll get done with this call and go, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Or maybe <laughs> I shouldn't have said this. Um, but it's just taking taking those little actions. So I appreciate that you reached out and wanted me to do this. And if people get one thing from it, then I feel that it's good and it's been worthwhile. So yeah, definitely reach out. And if I can help in some way, or if I can't, if I can point someone in the right direction, I'm more than willing. Be a helping hand. I've had a lot of them through this last 20 years, and I wouldn't be where I am without other spouses and stuff that were willing to step in and help me. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Dina. And to our listeners, we hope that today's episode gave you one more piece of knowledge, resource, or relevant story so you can continue to make confident and informed decisions for you and your family. We look forward to speaking with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. 